Welcome to the MyCode Podcast. I am your host, uh, Sergio Delamo. Uh, Graham Roche, a MyCode uh, co-founder, is uh, joining me today. How are you, Graham? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. We are in uh, MyCode 330 release date. It was released yesterday. Um, so, great news. It feels to me it's a huge minor release. And I think that's probably a, a sign of that we are a mature team, that we have more features in minor releases than in major releases. I think that's a good thing. Do you want to give a roundup of uh, what's new without going into much detail? Yeah, I mean, sure. It's, uh, like you said, it's a big release with lots of different things in it, um, lots of different um, features, and um, there are some of them on preview and some of them are TA, but, you know, it's Buy up, um, but and it was a you know a huge release with lots of different contributions from lots of different contributors because we have so many now. So, um, so you know from my from my side, I'm like excited about Micronaut serialization. Uh, you know, I guess this part of the topic of this uh, <laughs> this podcast, and um, so we'll be talking about that in more detail. So I won't go into more you know too much detail on that. Um, but you know we have now uh, Micron AOT as well uh, available via Micron Launch. Uh, so we, we we kind of that's in the milestone preview phase, but it's evolving and it's you know getting better. Uh, so uh, folks that don't know what that is, basically does a kind of set of uh, build plugins for Gradle and soon hopefully Maven that uh, look at the whole application and optimize it. Uh, I'm sure it was discussed previously in the podcast. Yeah, we have an episode with Cedric. Um, so that's episode episode five. So yeah, that's a, a good episode to catch up. I, my AOT is really exciting. So that's, yeah, that's cool. And then, you know, furthers the mission of making Microsoft more optimized to build time, more intelligent in terms of compilation, smaller runtimes. Then there's like, yeah, lots of like little things like uh, have the access style annotation where you can alter or be an introspection, which you said we will talk about as well. You know, introspections, but basically, uh, you know, it's if, you're, if you're using something other than getters and setters, Java beans or records, then you can change uh, what represents a getter and setter in terms of the style. Um, for bean properties, and um, we had a milestone of, for example, support for Tommel and configuration, uh, which is nice for, for folks who don't like um, YAML, which is a growing, <laughs> growing percentage of people over time can switch to Tommel or uh, so, yeah, um, doesn't have the white space issues, I suppose. And um, we also have a new Kubernetes module uh, that has support for writing Kubernetes operators with Micronaut, which is really neat. I'm sure you're very familiar with the new email module, which is really cool as well, where, uh, uh, given that you wrote most of it, um, which is, uh, um, yeah, really cool. That you, I really particularly like the fact that you can combine it with the Micronaut views to like, write like, yeah. those emails. That's really sweet. And then, of course, we yeah, run against that end stuff. Uh, of what you're trying to achieve with Micronaut is to make it, you know, portable across different clouds and, and so forth just by reconfiguration. So that's you know, a big step in that direction. And then um, in Micronaut Security, we have X5 by 9 certificate support for mutual um, 
authentication. So that yeah, that's an, a nice addition. Um, the JSON module was also split out. Um, there are some things happening as well outside of Micronauts, like for release. Like for example, we have um, been working on um, uh, contributing to the Open API generator project, so that you can generate uh, Open API clients and servers from Open API specifications from Micronauts. That's that's another new thing that's coming, and then um, there's also a which I'm really excited about as well, which builds on Micronauts serialization is a kind of preview, not final yet, but um, folks can try it out. Support for um, MongoDB and Micronaut data, which is uh, I think it was one of the most voted for issues on Micronaut data. So we've about that for not for a long time, and. Um, <clears throat> So what that means is effectively we have the repository pattern for MongoDB, so you can define new entities and just write interfaces and get all the goodness of Micronaut data built on top of uh, MongoDB. And from um, and you know recently as well that um, on our cloud we, you can um, you know our cloud database has even implemented the MongoDB API. Um, so that you can run um, MongoDB applications against Oracle database as well. Um, and I think uh, other clouds are doing similar things. Like I think um, Azure has like Cosmos DB, which is not really MongoDB, but they have like a Mongo API. And so it seems to be a common thing is to, you know, MongoDB is becoming like a protocol and different clouds have their different implementations. Yeah, I have not tried myself Cosmos DB, but everyone that uh, I only hear good things about it. So yeah, it's good that they are. There is like a more or less a de facto standard for accessing uh, non-relational databases. Um, that's great. Definitely. So, um, so lots of exciting things in Micronaut three point three. Um, some of them, like I said, are not quite. We have preview features like Micronaut serialization, Microarrays, data MongoDB. But you know, uh, certainly if you want to try it out and give it, give us feedback. All those things go final. Now, yeah, please do that because uh, your feedback really influences the development of the framework. Uh, for example, uh, in Microsoft Security, we had users who were using Microsoft Security with uh, JavaScript frontends. They wanted to use cookie-based authentication, but they, by default, we were like redirecting. So they actually didn't want a redirection. They just wanted to get the cookie uh, back. And we actually make a redirection toggle in the latest minor release of Microsecurity as well. Please do give us feedback because that helps a lot. When was GraalVM released, the latest one? Yeah, GraalVM 22.0 was released um, uh, just last week. Uh, so, um, so Micron, like this is uh, Micron 3.3 also works fine with it. GraalVM becoming more and more stable and Hopefully, it'll arrive at a point soon where you know there, there won't be a like toggling between a Python release and a Graalvim release, and that would be, you know, just use the latest and greatest speech. And, you know. But um, uh, Graal, the new Graalvim release is also really exciting because uh, uh, one they've improved build times, which is awesome. Uh, native image uh, faster builds with native image are always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, they improved the output. From the native image tool, so that you can, um, when you build native images, you get better feedback, better usability. So I think that's a that's a big deal. And yeah, we've been involved in the feedback loop on that output. Um, uh, and then there's a new GitHub action as well. So we've you know historically been um, 
reliant on playing community GitHub actions, but now there's an official one. Uh, or uh, building native apps on GitHub actions. Really nice, and I think we've already adopted that across Micronaut uh, projects, I think, um, a lot of builds. So that's, that's cool. I read a tweet the other day that uh, it's not just official, it seems to be great, because I, I the other day I read a tweet like... Uh, Someone who was like struggling to have uh, like build times timing out, and they switched to the official Garbium GitHub actions, and they were like getting builds in in no time. So that's great. I think the a lot of good things are happening around GitHub actions. Is seems GitHub actions is really becoming a power force in the continuous integration uh, side of things. So that's fantastic. Uh, let's move to the level up section and let's discuss about the at introspected. So uh, I don't remember when we introduced that introspective realm, but it was a long time ago. And my all, what I always have said is uh, whenever so I like to write my micro applications with pojos, which have uh, they are really plain pojos uh, in Java with just uh, constructor getters and setters and fields. And I always said annotate all those pojos with that introspective, and that was more or less my rule of thumb. Why should people do that? Uh, do you think that's a good idea? And what does that introspective do? So the name and introspective. Let's first talk about the history of that, because maybe like people don't know, you know, what that what that means. Um, but basically, you know, historically, um, in order to find out what properties a Java bean has. Um, so Java Bean was kind of a loosely described specification for a way a, a class in Java has property. Uh, so a, a property is a private, you know, private field with getters, like with a getter and or a setter, right? Um, that follow the convention. Um, and, you know, that the Java Bean convention has been around for a long time. And Java added um, an API to get uh, all the properties, um, which was a class called uh, java.beans.introspector, right? So uh, you can do java.beans.introspector and say, get me all the properties of this type, and it would use at runtime reflection, Java reflection, to get all the uh, <clears throat> all of the properties of that type, all the metadata about what, what, what the property names are and what the property types are, um, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, based on uh, 100% based on, on reflection. So, uh, with Micron, we, we're trying, we've been trying to like, uh, you know, eliminate the need for reflection uh, so that we can speed up reflective invocation and also not just not load any reflective metadata, right? Um, because the less reflective metadata that you have in the application, the more you can optimize memory. Because reflection is like a little bit of an all or nothing thing. Like when you ask for reflection information for a type. It's like it gives you everything, right? All of the constructors, all the methods, all the fields, every you know, every private it, you know, business is like there's no way to say I only want like these three methods or yeah. So uh what what bean introspections are and what after introspective does is you add it to a type and then at might not at build time will generate what's called a bean introspection, which which so it'll work it'll look at the type and it'll figure out which ones are the prop- properties at build time. And or if it's on a record, which ones are the record components? Um, and it will at build time generate a class um, that's able to a instantiate that type without reflection, and b read and uh, basically get and set 
properties on that type. If they're if they're uh, mutable, be able to set them. If they're immutable, just get them um, uh, at runtime without the need to actually use any any kind of reflection. So it's it's more or less a build time version of Java.beams.introspector. And also, you know, it, it computes all of the kind of annotation information at build time. So you get these really lightweight objects that you can instantiate the type dynamically. You can take that dynamically instantiated type and find out what properties it has. You can iterate over those properties and um, you can set those properties dynamically. Um, uh, so what is the use case for this? Well, uh, you know, think about um, I want to kind of serialize an object to JSON, for example. You have to get the object. You have to find out what its properties are. You have to dynamically read them and then write them to JSON. Or, or for example, um, you, you want to save a, a, a read an object from a database, right? You have to execute the SQL. Um, you have to dynamically instantiate the type that you're, that you're reading from the SQL result set. You have to read each column in the SQL, and then you have to dynamically set uh, each property. And obviously, the majority of frameworks out there, you know, prior to Microsoft, rely on use of Java reflection to do that. Um, and and Microsoft doesn't. An example that I always like to to give and that I have used and I think it's easy to understand as well is um, we often have uh, web applications where you get like a CSV file or an Excel file and you get like the column names and you want to like loop through the rows in that Excel file and instantiate an object yes. and you want to populate the field given the name in the column name uh, so with if you're if, if you are mapping your Excel rows to a Java class uh, in Micron, which is annotated with that introspective. You can do the instantiated of that class and the population uh, dynamically without using reflection. So yeah, as you see, there are many, many use cases. Uh, when you first think about it, you think like it's like kind of a thing that you will never use. But actually, there are many, many cases when you are like uh, going from a non-Java world, such as a database, a JSON object, a CSV file, to the Java world, and in those cases, uh, at introspective comes really handy. And uh, we will see that the serialization support is is built on top of of, of this of this reflection free uh, introspection. Yeah. Do you think it's like a, a good idea for people to uh, annotate their polios with that introspective? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's if they're going to be used in any of the cases that you want. You know, I wouldn't like edit every single photo, but. Uh, if you're gonna be serving, if you're gonna be saving the object, you know, to database or sending or serializing it to JSON, then it then it's definitely a good thing to add. Right? For example, when you use microdata and you use that mapped entity, that is annotated as mapped entity is annotated as well without introspective. So that introspective can be used as like a meta annotation where you annotate another annotation. So whenever you put that mapped entity from micronode data. Map density is actually itself annotated with that introspective. So that so Magnet data uses introspections to effectively like read and write objects to whatever database. So in in MicronDataDBC, it's with SQL. In MicronData MongoDB, which we just mentioned, it with Mongo, right? But it's more or less the same. Um, uh, the, you know, in order to to instantiate an object. 
And the, and the cool thing is, is that regardless, you know, because one of the challenges is that, you know, there's different styles that, that I mentioned of the, what, what, what a property represents. Um, so, uh, for example, a property can represent a Java beat getter. So, um, like I have a book class and it has a get title property. Um, but it could also, it could also represent a record component. So, um, like I have a book record type and it has a title component, or it could represent, you know, some other you know, way. And what the B introspection API provides, like a, the same API to basically read properties, uh, find out what the properties are of a type and read them without you having to know, like, is this a record or is this a, a Java being yeah, or is this some other style of like, um, so you just use the same API and we can consistently handle those different types um, at build time. So with that uh, unexpected introduction, let's uh, move to talk about serialization. Uh, but before doing that, let's uh, cover the agenda. In agenda, we talked uh, in the beginning of the episode about Micro 330. I think that's the biggest topic in the agenda. Please uh, do check it out and uh, try to update your applications and give us any feedback. <clears throat> in Pure Talks, uh, I am talking in the Manchester uh, Java User Group. Uh, it's an online talk and is uh, happening in March. Let me uh, fetch the date. It's March uh, 17. So I will include, I include a link in the show notes for the talk. Uh, if you want to attend, uh, it's going to be a talk about uh, Micronaut introduction. So if you are new to Micronaut, uh, don't, don't hesitate. It's, it's uh, an easy to follow talk. We also have uh, a Grace and Micronaut training upcoming uh, and if you give me a second, I'll give you the dates. Uh, the dates for that is February the 16th until February 17th, so it's two days. Again, I will include uh, a link in the show notes and uh, your talk in Stockholm, uh, Graham, if COVID allows, yeah. is coming uh, in May the 3rd. So uh, hopefully the, the COVID situation will clear out and those in-person events can happen. Yeah. Do you have anything else coming? Yeah, actually, um, I just got accepted to a few conferences. Uh, uh, well, one in particular, which is Jay on the Beach in Malaga. Cool, in Malaga. So um, that I just got accepted yesterday. Updated <laughs> you all yet? But that'll be fun. Go to um, an in-person event. I think that'll be the first in-person event that I'm going to go to. Um, so uh, yeah, do, do look out for that. Uh, the agenda will be published soon as well. Yeah, I will click a link in the show notes. Uh, I have it uh, the web page in front of me. Um, so yeah, I, please also uh, whenever if you are interested in micro.io events, uh, you will find always links to the events. So no need to listen to the podcast to catch up on events. But uh, if uh, in the website uh, we are always. Uh, trying to list them. Uh, if you have any, if anyone listening to the podcast uh, is doing any micro talks, uh, please reach out to me and I will try to um, include uh, your talk as well in in the micro website. Uh, and without uh, further ado, let's move to the main section. Today, this episode was dedicated to micro serialization, which is this uh, module. Uh, which uh, we are recording this on Friday, and we will announce this module on on Monday. 
Uh, so I will include a link to the official uh, blog post announcement. This is a module uh, where uh, you have been uh, quite involved with, uh, together with Dennis and Jonas as well. Let's start, Graham, about what is microcellularization. So, you know, obviously, since the very beginning of Micronaut, I think since 1.0 or, you know, or 0.1 or whatever you want to call it, um, Micronaut has used uh, Jackson for um, serializing and deserializing this uh, one object. And um, I mean, that's a great, that, was, that is a great choice because Jackson, you know, is a very popular library in the Java community. And, um, and you know, we all do love Jackson. So there's, uh, you know, so first of all, first thing to say that uh, Microsoft will continue to support Jackson uh, going forward um, because it's, uh, yeah, much loved library that everybody likes. But it does come with its costs. So um, Jackson um, is fundamentally based on Reflectrum. So, you know, we have been trying a long time to um, to make Micronaut end-to-end reflection-free. And I think this is like the final piece. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Where you can build it completely. Like, like with this, with the Micronaut serialization, this is the first time you can take a complete yeah, you can build an end-to-end app that you know serializes JSON on the REST uh, on the, in the REST API, reads and writes objects from the database on the back end, uh, and you know doesn't use any reflection whatsoever in that entire front end to back end interaction. And you know why would what you know why if you look at the reasons why we you know with reflection. Uh, and runtime analysis of reflective data is, is quite expensive, um, both in terms of like memory consumption, but also in terms of the footprint, the library. So if you look at Jackson, it's like a two point, you know, something like two point one. I think I looked it up last time. Megabyte jar file. This is Jackson data bind, right? Um, and, and it has a massive amount of infrastructure, runtime infrastructure, that needed to essentially like. Analyze your types at runtime, so it has builds all this like information and so forth. And uh, the thing is, with Python, we already have a way to people that stuff at build time, and and we did implement we did implement a module for Jackson that allows you to plug into the introductions and so forth, which kind of half solves the problem uh, by getting Jackson to reuse Micronaut introductions. But it's still Jackson's fundamentally coupled to reflection, and we see issues like coming up. Um, so with Micronaut serialization, what we wanted to do is, you know, have a, a way to serialize and deserialize JSON, um, but not just JSON, also other formats like BSON for MongoDB, um, in a completely reflection-free manner with being introspections, and shift all of the logic needed to compute how your objects map to JSON to build type. So that we don't have to execute it at runtime. So, um, so micro serialization will also like analyze your classes at build time and do all the computation necessary at build time to figure out, you know, your which are the names of the properties that the JSON properties that your your types map, map to, um, you know, which ones which properties represent JSON values or JSON unwrapped or JSON, you know, all the typical Jackson annotations. But do all that analysis at, at build time 
So at runtime, it's much smaller. And the net result of that is like uh, micro serialization is like 400 kilobytes per front, right? And that has a big impact on uh, native Im image uh, size as well. If you build a native image, memory, uh, the, the image size is four megabytes smaller because there's a lot less code at runtime, you know, needed. Um, and the other impact it has is on type checking, which is a real productivity bell. So Jackson has like an annotation-based programming model where you say, you know, at JSON property or, um, or at JSON value or at JSON amrapt or um, at JSON format on different properties, yeah, customize how it maps to, to the JSON. Um, and all of those annotations are validated at runtime. You know, so for example, um, if I do something like that, that that's not allowed, um, say for example, I use um, JSON format, at JSON format with an invalid format, invalid pattern, um, I get a runtime exception, right? Um, but with micro serialization, we can check all of that at compilation time. So you get active compile time checking of your, you know, and JSON mapping syntax. Another example is, for example, if I use at JSON unwrapped, and what at what JSON unwrapped does is it embeds the properties of one type into another type. But if, if, but if both types both have a JSON property called name, you have a conflict. And that results in a runtime exception. Oh, I can't unwrap this object into this object because both of them have a name property that's going to go into the JSON and that's invalid, right? So again, we, we, we have computation time. We perform the analysis to say, oh, you can't do that because uh, you have properties that will conflict and you need to provide a prefix. Um, another example is you can't have more than two JSON properties with the same name. So if I have, if I have JSON property foo and I have another thing that's also called foo, that's two properties that, that, can't, you know, that can't exist. So we check that compilation time and fail compilation um, actively in your ID, which eliminates the need for a lot of like runtime checking errors and, and the state of model. Um, we know the model is going to be correct runtime. Let's check compilation time. It reminds me a lot to so the, the type safety checks. Uh, they are kind of in micro data. We do it as well, and it's something like uh, you don't think about it, but I think it it allows it gives a lot of developer productivity back. Yeah, definitely. The errors are catched early. One thing that I wanted to clarify is, uh, so you have been describing scenarios uh, where you are like uh, talking about different uh, adjacent annotations. Uh, yeah. And uh, I want to clarify, those are the Jackson annotations. So can you explain the difference between Jackson data bind and Jackson annotations? Can users of micro applications that are using things such as, as JSON properties still use those annotations or do they have to replace them? Yeah, that's so that's that's the thing is that we wanted to build something that was familiar. So, so Jackson is actually pretty modular as a library. It has Jackson annotation, which is like the which is a library that contains all of the annotations. It has Jackson Core, which is the parser and the generator, and then it has Jackson Data Bind, is the really large data binding framework um, that builds those two. So Magnet serialization has. Um, works with a number of different source code level annotation programming models. So you have, uh, we have support for Jackson annotations. Uh, 
and we support like 90% of the different annotations that Jackson provides, right? Uh, so you can use the majority of the Jackson annotations. I think there's some exceptions. Uh, we don't want to support uh, JSON raw value for security reasons. That's not not a great I, I, um, I way. Um, or, but you know, the majority of annotations are supported. And one of the cool things about microloan serialization is, and, and microloan in general, is that we decouple the kind of source level annotations you use from the runtime. So what that means is, in effect, is that you can use Jackson annotations, and, or you can use JSONB annotations for the JSONB uh, specification. You can use the, those annotations. Or if you're using Mongo, you can use BSON annotations. And or, you know, we just map them all onto the same model at runtime and treat them as the same thing. Um, while something like Jackson is coupled to like Jackson annotation, right? Um, or yeah, or or one of the uh, JSON VM. Um So you know, we we're able to support different annotation sets. So you can continue to use uh, Jackson annotations as you used to. And um, then also at runtime, we support running on top of different um, JSON implementations. So uh, we support Jackson Core. So you can run, you can basically uh, use Jackson's parser and generator with Micronaut serialization for serializing and deserializing uh, data. Uh, so we haven't gone we haven't gone to the point of implementing our own JSON parsers or generators, right? Uh, you just run it on top of Jackson Core. Or you can run it on top of JSONP if you prefer. If you don't want to use Jackson at all, and you you want to use um, uh, JSONP, which is a, a standard for generating and and um, and uh, parsing JSON. You can use JSONP as the runtime, or you can use JSON, which is um, MongoDB. So there's there's different um, there's different runtimes as well uh, in microsoft serialization. So um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting project, and uh, you know one of the one of one of the, the the reasons as well that we um, we wanted to uh, do this is because you know it's, we wanted to support um, you know the same kind of annotation model for uh, for microdata MongoDB, uh, which is coming out soon in GA form as well. So the microdata MongoDB is essentially like built on top of microdata. Is, uh, which is, you know, so folks can understand the kind of layering of how this is going to work uh, in, and interact in their application. For uses, and I think that's important, is you don't have to, if you are using uh, Jackson annotations or JSONB annotations, you don't have to give them up. Uh, you can use them uh, with uh, micro So if you want to, to try micro in your application, uh, the steps involved uh, will be at an annotation processor. To your uh, to your application, uh, which is the microchart the processor, mm-hmm. uh, and typically you will want to if you are using depending on Maven or Gradle, you have to essentially replace the uh, the module micro Jackson data bind by the microchart the Jackson module, uh, and that will essentially swap the the Jackson data binding module by the 
Michael said, I say some data binding module, right? That's right, yeah. So it's now possible for the first time to completely remove Ajax and data binding from a Micron application if you don't want to use it, right? So you can replace it. Um, and we've been working hard to get all the modules compatible. So um, it actually wasn't that much work to get all the modules compatible, uh, you know, relatively. Um, but I think, you know, we've got microsecurity compatible. We got, um, we got, uh, problem in JSON, uh, and, and, you know, the vast majority of modules are, are, are not compatible. I think, uh, there may still be a few that need updating, but I think that, you know, most of them are now, uh, most of the messaging modules are working with it. Um, so it's all, all ready to, to roll in terms of, um, uh, you know, uptake in, in the ecosystem. Yeah, what, one, one thing is, uh, let's touch on those two things about uh, how to make your code compatible. So one of the things that you touch when you talk about the why was security, right? And the idea is that before, when you you wrote your MyCode application, you could essentially serialize any class into JSON, right? And now that's no, if you are using my serialization, uh, that's no longer be the case. Yeah. And how, how people, what are the options for people? Because this is probably the only change that they have to do in their code, right? Yeah. So it always like was a big concern for me, uh, like in terms of like surfacing security vulnerabilities in user applications. It's like, Jackson's default behavior of allowing like any type to be serialized, right? Um, so, um, so like with Jackson, you can take any Java type and you pass it to the object matter mapper and it will serialize it to, to JSON. Um, so you have to be very careful when you evolve code that you don't add a property that you don't, you know, that you need to make sure that you kind of that JSON ignore on, on properties that you don't want to be sent out to the outside world. And I think it's it's easy for developers to make make mistakes um, yeah. and and um, accidentally expose um, information. Um, and with Micron serialization, we made the decision a bit like with Micron security, which is like uh, lock down by default and then open up, you know, explicitly. Uh, which is to say, uh, if you want something serialized with micro serialization, you have to add an annotation to it to say this type is explicitly serializable and deserializable, or, or just one or, or the other, right? So if you only want the type to be serializable but not deserializable, you can do that as well. You can you have fine grain control over whether a type is actually going to be serialized. Um, and there, there, are, the, there are some. That would be the third annotation. Yeah, yeah, and there are some escape patches. So you can, for example, specify a package name uh, of some introductions that you already have that you want serializable by default, whatever. But um, but in general, you know, we think it's better uh, and that that you annotate the types that you want to be serialized and. If you are in charge of those types, there is another annotation called cert import, which lets you declare types that are like maybe not part of your code base or um, 
or um, you know, or part of a third party uh, project or anything like that. And um, which is also useful if you have existing types that are in a library that are already annotated with um, facts and annotations, because you can just import those and it will recognize them and make them serializable. But it's you have to actually be uh, explicit. Yeah, we use, for example, uh, the add import in the MyCode problem JSON integration because we allow to render classes that are essentially we don't write those classes they are part of the problem JSON uh, Java library that's Salando uh, open source uh, so we uh, import those as well so if you want to check it out an example of a certain import uh, we use it in problem JSON uh, I am writing also a PR in the AWS module for uh, serializing the AWS events, so the S3 event, the API Gateway event, if you use uh, AWS Lambda, uh, and those classes, are, they are like part of the AWS event uh, library by AWS, and we use the cert import, which also support mixings as well. And the last resource is you can write a custom serializer, right? Or deserializer, which is a, a, an interface, and you can register that as a as a bin in the application context, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So if you have a if you have a customer requirement, you can just define a new bean. And uh, there's some interfaces that you can implement. So you can implement a uh, serializer, which is which will just add a serializer. You can implement deserializer, um, and you can or you can even implement an interface called cert, which is both combined, right? Serializer and deserializer. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is really nice as well because you know um, Jackson has its like own mechanism or modules for like uh, defining serializers and deserializers, extra ones and so forth. And this is much nicer because it's just integrated into Micronauts and its injection um, infrastructure, right? So I just kind of being cool of that particular type and my, I can write my own serialization logic for a type and it's really easy. I think we use it in an example with Joda time if I remember correctly. Yeah. To recap, people, if they want to try, they uh, add the annotation the annotation processor, they configure Maven or uh, Gradle to uh, use, uh, don't use Jackson DataBind, but use the microserialization. We have instructions in the documentation of the module how to do that. And uh, then uh, you will have to go through your um, through your POYOS uh, and annotate with uh, addsertable those that you want to serialize. So typically go through your controllers and the classes that you are returning your controllers so that you are taking as an input in typical uh, add body and your POYO. Annotate those with addsertable and you should be good to go. And if you find any any issues, uh, let us know. I wanted to talk also about, uh, so we have also support for key converters in the module, which I think is, uh, can you explain what the use case for that is and why will people use those? Yeah, so, you know, JSON in JSON keys always strings. Um, so it doesn't make sense to have like an encoded encoder for it because you always have to convert it to a string. Uh, so a key converter is just a converter from some type to a string type, um, but used specifically for serialization, right? 
so that you can represent represent any type as, as a key in the JSON. Exactly. Especially this is really useful if you you have like a map where the key is an object, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know we do, we we do have support for like um, using common types already as keys, like for example, using enums as keys. We know how to put those, make those into strings, and we know how to like um, you know all the typical things. Or if something implements child sequence already, then it will just turn it into a key. How will it work for enums? Uh, the name of the enum property. Do we support also like having like a two string annotated with a JSON value for enums? You can define a JSON value on the enum itself. Um, as long as enums can be introspected like any other work. Yeah, because I I have seen that often. Like people, I have the enums with uppercase the, the name. Yeah, and then they have like the value in they have like a, a field with lowercase, and in the two string they return the lowercase, and they annotate the two string with a JSON value. So that's great that we support that uh, out of the box. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say about microserialization, Graham? No, I just think it, um, it's it's really uh, it's really exciting because it's like a foundational library, like a building block, I guess you could say, or like other things. Um, so you know, I think the big one is microdata MongoDB. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we use the same uh, kind of infrastructure for microdata and MongoDB. Um, and the cool thing is, is if you use microserialization on the web tier as well, it means that you have the same model for serializing types, both on the web tier and, and when any operations to the database. Um, you know, instead of having a different uh, reflection-based model or whatever to serialize and deserialize objects from MongoDB, and another one on your web tier for using you know, using Jackson or something, you can have the same, which is sort of like big efficiency uh, improvement, right? And for the framework, uh, the same meta model across you know, your entire application. Um, and um, and yeah, I think uh, you know um, as we evolve, might not data mobility be to support other cloud databases and other document databases as well. Uh, it's going to become more and more important. I see my consideration as another foundation block, as you said. Yeah, pretty, pretty exciting. As uh, we said, uh, please check it out. Let us know if you find anything, if you anything is missing from you, if you have any problems uh, using the library. Before wrapping the podcast, I'm going to uh, thank the sponsors. So let me go to that section podcast is a possible thanks to the MyCode Foundation sponsors. We have Object Computing in the uh, Ambassador level. We have uh, Safri.net in the Bronze level. Uh, Visor Games as well in the Bronze level. And we have uh, also a new uh, infrastructure partner uh, with uh, Gradle uh, Inc. Uh, or Gradle Enterprise. Uh, we are using Gradle Enterprise in Micronote uh, for the last quarter, I think. Uh, and it's uh, we are seeing improvements in the build times. So that's something that we are seeing every day. Um, so thanks all the sponsors. Uh, thanks also for the community sponsors, uh, those individuals uh, who directly sponsor the foundation to to support us. I think, Graham, we're going to say uh, goodbye until the next uh, episode that we have you back. Uh, I have you back always for new modules. So that's, I guess, it's uh, always always good to have you back. Awesome. Thanks for joining me today. And we, we see each other soon. Sounds good.
Thank you everyone for listening. Bye bye.